This episode of Jason Cabin's Experience is a replay of when I was a guest on the Silver Founders Podcast with Michael Jarman. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Cabinet's Experience. Here at Cabinet's HR, we have some exciting news to share. We are doing a rewards-based crowdfunding campaign for Cabinet's HR starting March 2nd. We are doing this rewards-based crowdfunding campaign to continue the build-out of Cabinet's HR. Our rewards include Cabinet's HR t-shirts, social media outreach for you and your company, eBooks, webinars, and more. You can go to the Cavernous HR Indiegogo link at https colon backslash backslash cavernousHR.co slash crowdfunding to donate and for more info. Thank you for your time today and remember to be great every day. This is the Jason Cavernous Experience, hosted by Jason Cavernous. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Silver Founders Podcast, and um, I am joined today by Jason Kavnis. I happen to know that he is the uh, CEO of Kavnis HR, but I'm going to quickly just toggle over to my handy bio page, uh, Jason, that I know you said you didn't really care one way or the other, but I, I feel like we have to tell the audience Uh, a little bit about your background. So I'm going to just start by saying that Jason is a retired retired U.S. Army officer who served for 25 years, including an eight-year stint as an enlisted member. He has previous startup experience with MyUnfold, and he is currently the CEO, founder of Cavnus HR. And I know Cavnus HR delivers HR to U.S. companies with fewer than 50 people, by automating the HR process while maintaining the human touch. He also hosts the Jason Cabinets Experience, where he talks to small business owners, founders, and other interesting people. He has also taken on the role of Seattle leader for the Bunker Labs. And Bunker Labs is a national nonprofit that helps to inspire, equip, and connect the military community to entrepreneurship. His personal motto is be great, Every day, he does his best to add value, help to solve problems daily, and to help others become better. He has a master's in human relations from the University of Oklahoma and is SPHR certified. And uh, welcome, Jason, to the Silver Founders Podcast. Michael, thank you for me having me, for me today. It's going to be a lot of fun. I really appreciate this opportunity. You got it, man. Talking to you. Thank you so much. Uh, what I particularly caught my eye about the about the bio wasn't so much all the experience, which I, I respect and I, and I, uh, you know, thank you for all your service. Uh, but it's, it's the fact that you're focusing on uh, solving problems and, and adding value and helping others. And it's almost like a give you're, you're giving back to, um, 
to really share your, your wisdom. So that's what, that's what our, our podcast is about. And that's why I wanted to have you. So I, I just toggled back to be able to see your, your face and your wisdom, your wise face with the, with the badass uh, beard cooking. Thanks. Yeah. So I, I know I'm, I'm uh, uh, first, first I want you to tell me where are you um, broadcasting from first and then um, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, the last, I don't know, two or three months. Cause I know we ran in, into each other in Austin. And uh, so give me the latest, where, where are we today? I know we're recording after the election, uh, still things in limbo, but maybe we'll look back on this and just, I, I, don't, I don't know what we're going to say, but um, I, I don't focus on politics that much. So uh, from a, you know, I just I just want to know how how I can get to work, like, kind of like you probably. So, what's your uh, where are you and how how the hell are you? Yes, I'm doing pretty good. You know, so right now I'm in downtown Seattle. Uh, me and my family are living in a town called Dupont, like 45 miles south of Santa, south of Seattle. Yeah. So, also so a quick funny story how we end up here. Right. So, I retired from the military. Me and my wife are both from Texas, like born and raised in Texas, right? And the plan was always to go back to Texas, right? So I retired in 2015, 2014. I told the wife, Hey, you know, you know, next year we're going to retire, you know, we're moving back to Texas. Like we got to make some decisions. Like we're moving back to by my family, by your family, best job, someplace out of Texas. So I'm dead and I, Oh, I forgot to tell you, I like it here. We're not going nowhere. I'm like, wait, what, <laughs> where, does, where did this come from? Right. And, and, and Texas, you can always visit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And actually I was just there for like six weeks, but it was kind of bad. I felt bad about it. So I spent six weeks there from like October 1st to middle of November, but I didn't realize my first time in Texas, like maybe four years, right? Cause you know, you get busy, stuff comes up. So yes, yeah, it's, it's been a long time, right? Yeah. And, and so I remember, I guess that's when you and I ran into each other. Well, we, we decided to meet at a WeWork up in North Austin and uh, we had a quick, um, you know, we barely, I, I don't know how much you knew about me. I didn't know much about you. I, I drove down from, I drove up from San Antonio cause we were, we were launching a call center thing. And, um, so yeah, we, we sat down for a quick thing. You went live on a few, on a few things. And anyway, we, you and I still have to do an official podcast yeah. the other way around, but I wanted to really invite you to, to this one because well, selfishly, frankly, uh, I need, I need the kind of reach and pull that you have, but, um, and as far as how I mean you met, like, and it's a private tip for your listeners, whoever's going to listen later on. Yeah. Like, never be scared to reach out to people, right? Like, all you can do is say no. Because what I did, I knew I was going to Austin, San Antonio, so I just, I just did a search on LinkedIn, and who do I know the small business owner in my community, right? I can probably do a podcast to reach out to, and, like, I reached out to them. Some, some didn't reply. Some said no. Some said later. Some said yes, right? So my lesson is never be scared to reach out to people, you know? So that's, like, the way I think of that is, like, make a bold request, just you never know, right? And and the downside is they say no. So okay, so they said no. So what, right? Yeah. I know at a different age in my life I would have spent an hour wondering if I reach out to them, you know, trying to work. Yeah. Guess what they're gonna say? That's but, one advantage of being our age, so to speak. You know, we just don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. So so that's right. The wisdom of of making a bold request. I guess I. I was at a time where I'm, I'm taking on every, every possible way to, 
to get in front of uh, people and tell our story about about what we've built, what we've been building for three, four years, you know, the overnight success of 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 building. Uh, but yeah, that 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 was an interesting day. And then um, I know you were visiting some of your old you, obviously Austin and, and central Texas has a lot of wide open spaces and you, you, you felt like you wanted to get back to, to Seattle. Is it the Emerald city? I'm tr- trying to remember. Yeah they, they, yeah. they call it the Emerald city. Yeah. That's the old nickname, Emerald city. What, what did you love about it? When you, you said you're moving back to Texas, but then you looked at it and said, wait a minute, my home is now Seattle, right? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll never say my home Seattle. My home is always Texas, you know. But and one thing, anything, yeah, one thing, anything about we moved here. My two kids are in ninth and seventh grade, so this is home to them, right? So they're probably not moving either, right? My wife like is here, and we're on this way worse place to be at in the Seattle, Washington. But Texas will always be home. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and your folks um, originally, like, what town, what part of Texas? Because there's like six Texases, right? If you, yeah. if you don't, if people don't Texas, yeah, people don't realize that there's actually six Texas, yeah. So you should watch the movie Bernie, I think is a good uh, with Jack Black in it. Watch Bernie and and you'll know you'll notice how there is like six zones of Texas, like yeah. five or six. So which zone are you from? So I was born in a town called Curvio, like an hour west of San Antonio. So I live in the central Texas area, like the sixth grade. I live in a town called Gonzalez, first and fifth grade, San Antonio, sixth grade year. Then we moved and uh, we moved to Odessa, Texas, my seventh grade year. Graduated out of Odessa High School out of there. But family, wow. but, you know, but everyone else, we got family all over the place, you know, like every major city, every small city, we know somewhere in every city pretty much, you know, so. So, so I, the way I relate to Odessa is um, the rivalry, right, between Odessa Permian and, and Midland Lee High School, yeah. right? Yep, yeah. Which is uh, depicted in a, in a show, in a book, maybe when you and I were younger, called Friday Night Lights, then yeah. that became Movie, a TV yeah. show uh, filmed here in Austin, actually at Pflugerville High School, which I don't know if people knew that, but yeah, I, didn't, um, I didn't know that. Great, uh, great um, suburb north of, of Austin. In fact, uh, because the, the uniforms already had a big, like a P on them. I don't know. The, the, the P reminded me of Permian and the whole Odessa Permian connection, but so, Mil- was it a military family, Jason? Were you? No, no, it was not. No, no, it was not military. Uh, single parent back, single, single mother, three kids, you know, the typical story, you know, um, joined the military, you know, went to, tried, went to college first, probably wasn't the best thing to do. You know, wasn't nowhere near ready for college, you know. Yeah. Probably wasn't smart enough or had enough discipline, joined the army, you know, and just went from there, you know. This is what my dad uh, was recommended by his father, who was a, more of an academic. He was, uh, was a professor, I think, uh, English professor, UM uh, from Miami. And, and when my dad was, and he, my dad grew up all over Latin America, but it, at some point, I think it was his idea, like it, it occurred to him that he didn't want people to tell him what to do anymore. And then uh, he says, that he joined the Marine Corps so no one would tell him how to, what, what to do. And what? <laughs> but this was like the mind trick that my grandfather must have played on him. He's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big ass mind trick right there. So, yeah, I think he said, no, I'm going to join the Air Force. And then my grandfather said, you know what? Even better, you should join the Marine Corps. 
And he did that. And he's got stories of all the like, basically, he was there the year 1963 in Paris Island, South Carolina. And uh, yeah, Full Metal Jacket was filmed at, I guess, based on that year. Like, so when he saw that movie, he's like, that is my drill sergeant. Oh, wow. uh, In Full Metal Jacket. So anyway as as that that movie even is 20 years old so this is how old i am anyway <laughs> but um and and my best friend in high school is a retired lieutenant colonel so again that tells you how it, yeah it just it blows my mind and, yeah, and time so, definitely goes by fast so jason um i kind of want to b- bounce around with you but okay how did you get in the startup game and, and your HR background, I mean, obviously there's nothing more rigid and structured than the military human resources, you know, and logistical background. So kind of talk about how that connects to human HR, I guess, and what you're doing now. Okay. So how I got involved with startups, this is an interesting story. I tell all the time. So back when I was getting retired, you know, the army tell you go on LinkedIn, you'll connect with people trying to find a job. So I'm LinkedIn asking people for help find a job, blah, blah, blah. And a guy named Mark and Rowe, they message, hey, Jason, my name is Mark and Rowe. Uh, I have a startup called Minor Fold. We want to have military veterans and college graduates find jobs doing skills tests. And I'm doing a startup. To, I'm starting a startup to do this. Can we meet in person explain to me how the Army helps you and other people find jobs? Like, sure, no, no problem. I have one question for you. What the fuck is a startup? Like, I had no clue, no concept. What the fuck is a startup? What, what are you even talking about, right? What, what do you mean a startup? What, what, is, what is that? Like, do you mean people just start companies? Like, that doesn't happen. Like, all these companies always exist, right? Walmart, Amazon, you know, Exxon, they always exist, right? And you just don't start companies out of the blue, right? So we met up and, you know, of course, he laughed. He explained anything. All things started to like, you know, product market fit, MVP, lean startup model, all the kind of stuff, you know, all the, the, the quick down or dirty. Right. And the light bulb goes in my head. Hey, Mark, you haven't said anything about HR. Why is that? Oh, HR. We don't do HR and startups. That's way down the road, right? We don't have time for that. So no light bulb goes off. Hey, Mark, you know, I think I feel pretty good chemistry going on, pretty good dynamic, you know. Um, I, I know you have no funding, you can't pay me, but let me join your startup so I can learn all this stuff, right? And I, I can bring my experience to you. And so you agreed. Love that. Yeah. Well, actually, let me back to Actually, he didn't agree at first. Actually, said it, he actually said to me, think about it. So me being me, I pretty much hired myself. So I started, I started going to meetings, started doing stuff, you know, and just made myself part of the team. An interesting side note, the person who did our... Um, Design for us and person did our marketing for us. Both graduated from high school. My daughter, while we in Seoul, Korea. So that was a pretty interesting dynamic, right? Yeah. And we, and we realized like a month later, right? And like, are you Jason's father? Jason's Jason's father. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I graduated from their older sister, right? So that's pretty, no, pretty interesting, right? Sure. And, and, Go ahead. And so, you know, but like most stars didn't make it, right? But the two years I was there, like I said, I did everything except design and code. Like I did, I learned how to do sales, marketing, business development, social media. I learned the basics. Like I learned like the basics about coding. Like I know there's different platforms, different languages. You know, I learned the basics. But the two years, like man, none of these stars have HR. Like none of them had it right. Why, I mean, why is that right? So in two years, I'm just gonna uh, the best. The, my phone's like no, wasn't gonna make. It. I'm like maybe this is the best I can do, right? And so first, like let me do HR for companies of foreign owners people. I mean, no, let me do HR for startups. But I had a quick pivot to come to foreign LS because, you know, most startups have no money or funding. Like, I can't do pro pro bono, right? I got to get paid, hopefully, eventually, right? Yeah. And, you know, of course, they tell you do your best research. 
according to small business administration, there's like five million companies with foreign out of fewer people. So there's a, there's a big market. And then you say, you know, validate your idea. So over a six month time period, I've talked to 331 small business owners like yourself. Is it more detailed than this? But basically the question was, would you pay for HR as affordable or do you want it? So pay, pay for HR, hang on, pay for HR as, as what, like a, like a subscription or, or subscription as a- or whatever the case may be, you know, because uh, so the 33 people I talked to, 71% said, yes, they were, they were, they were those on 19% said, well, we don't know yet. I'm not sure. 10% said they would never pay for HR. They would never pay for a right. So I thought that was a high enough number and pay for HR can mean anything, you know, and I also, I caveat like, so a reason like most companies have HR, cause like HR person like me is like 50, 80, 90,000 a year. Like, you know, they can't, they can't afford that. Yeah. Yeah. And you have these HR, HR consultants and that's who we want to put a, put our business first. HR consultants, we charge, we say like the overcharging price under delivering value. They charge from 100 to $500 an hour. And, and they'll do stuff like, Hey, they do an audit for your company and they'll tell you, Hey, Mike, you need an employee handbook. Like, I know I need an employee handbook. That's why I hired you. Where can you make it for me? Oh no, we just consult you, you know, you gotta do yourself right. And that's, you know, that's a waste of time too, you know? Oh, okay. So my co-founder, it happens to be sort of my, uh, well, he's my brother, first of all, I should say, but he has also built businesses kind of the old, in the old way. Um, and, and eventually they, they got to the point where they built and, and, um, and got policies and procedures and a handbook and all that. But, um, yeah, I know that that's the way I would have always thought of it just, just as a former banker. Right. So I, I come from the old, that old world. Um, but yeah. So tell me from a, from a old timer startup, a guy, an old guy doing a startup, why HR, at what point do you need to be thinking of HR? Because the traditional model, I, um, I think the W2 model is somewhat broken, right? Yeah. And so tell me how, if someone wants to have fewer and fewer employees, especially post COVID uh, or, or out of COVID, people were contracting, right? They're like, okay, who's essential, right? Yeah. Who, who, who do we want to keep? And, and who's just sort of, I don't know, we, we, we're not imaginative enough so we just throw people at it, right? Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that and relate it to a founder who's thinking, yeah, HR, right now we're considering something, but it's more in the software need of 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. A software company scaling 10 years ago. So a, a software company scaling today, what do you think they, they would want to need to focus on an, uh, an owner. Yeah. So one thing in my mind, there's, there's old HR and new HR, right? Old HR is like, I need an employee handbook for compliance, what not to do. But H, employee handbooks to me are more like your cultural values, of your company, right? Way to retain and recruit employees, right? Because a potential employee or current employee should be able to read your handbook and say, this is the type of company I work for, right? And I think a lot of people like, here's my employee book, you can't do this, you can't do that, right? And it should be looked at, right? And HR is so expensive, right? A lot of people was like, like I'll, I'll, I'll try to get customers. Well, we don't need recruiting. Well, I don't do recruiting, right? It's so it's like it's recruiting, benefits, culture, all the gamma, right? And so there's a lot to it. And another thing too, and like there's a lot of people out there who say they're HR experts. Well, I'm kind of that's saying I kind of pet peeve of mine, right? Like, are you really an HR expert in everything? Like, are you really like, even if you've been a VP of HR for like you know, uh, Hilton Hotel for 20 years, or well, you expert in that? 
but you HR expert everything, every location. And I think too many people will say the HR expert and I don't think they are. Right. And, and thing with HR, I mean, a lot of founders say we'll do it later, but you know, like, you know, all the recruiting stuff going on, cultural diversity, I think we need to focus on now, right? Especially the hiring stuff. Like, do you really want to be a company where, um, well, you know, you have like 20 white guys and then you try to be like, do diverse hiring. Like it's too late then, right? You gotta have, you gotta, you gotta be um, conscious about it from the beginning. And yep. just, just stuff like, um, like benefits. And like, like most people don't know, you, you don't have to have benefits by launch. You have 50 employee number 50, but are you, how, how are you gonna recruit somebody? You have no benefits, right? You have, yeah. you have to figure that out. I mean, it's, it's this time and age, right? So right now we're at a, and maybe, maybe that's the thing about the startup is, is shifting after the, the COVID stuff is you, it's almost, you get even worse with some of the, the harder problems within HR, right? So now it just becomes, I, I can only hire people that I trust, period. And so then, then, then you get into a mentality of, well, what does that mean? Um, The people that I trust, well, I've had success with them before. They're they're willing to share their time and fractional, you know, skill set like you, they, they almost have to come in as, as a part owner. And that's why you have to exchange sometimes some, some, um, but then for the, for the people that need to run the business, I think maybe that's the shift, right? People that need to run the business, not just start the business. Um, you have to attract them with more than just the vision or the, the product and the, pro- the product market fit. Now you have to say, well, these are the other things we, we offer, right? Yeah, because vision can only go so far. You got to do vision, you got to do other stuff. Because like I tell people when I try to bring a startup, I'm going to give you X amount of equity to the company. And I was telling them, I haven't said that. That's the same as me telling you the pot of gold or rainbow, you're going to get it. Like you, that yeah. probably will go, the product could come, right? So how, as a startup, how do you keep people around, right? Because like, they got to get paid. Right. And so after six months, seven months, you have no funding, no customers, like you can't expect them to stay on. Right. They're probably going to leave. So how do you work through that? I think. Yeah. So that's right. We're, we're sort of in that, in that shift. Now um, we got, we got some superstars really in the business now. And that's what it took. It, it took, I need to know how much I can rely on. Right. As far as, um, you know, income, uh, Benefits, I think, are, are shifting now. The, the even for ourselves, right? So my my co-founder and and me are we were lucky because both of our spouses are, are, are school teachers, and so we're kind of leaning against this the school teacher thing from a benefit standpoint. And well, let's just say parents and administrators have different expectations of teachers right now with the COVID thing as we enter into the fall semester. And that first semester has been perhaps really good for moms and dads who have the freedom to maybe bring their kids home. There's a lot of innovation happening in education and has been for years. But if if you're dedicated to the public school system, you're dealing with problems that are just almost impossible to figure out now you got to be you almost have to be a startup again in the school environment what i'm finding i'm hearing from my sister-in-law and my my wife it's like an impossible situation with impossible expectations you know and a good example is is um you know we're going to do this through technology well what do you do with you know the single mom that had that works late night shifts 
at a fast food place and she has no access to technology and her child is relying on the school to provide those things. Uh, my wife's charter school takes their, their marching orders from the state of Texas. And I guess we follow some of the schedules for AISD. And so it's a mess in education for the, the, I would say the adults that are willing to get punched by students and work with a, with a mask and a shield and a plexiglass just to have kids in the classroom. And then half of them, they also need to be broadcast on zoom nice and nice and easy. So the parents can have, can have their zone of safety. They have many kids don't have access to a computer at home, you know? Exactly. So, or how many kids parents are not tech savvy and have no idea how to do zoom or teams or what is this, you know, like, Exactly right. So we're in this place where, uh oh, I think the founders over here are going to need benefits for the, for our families where we didn't need them the last four or five years. And so that that shifts into what probably with with the whole employees under 50 is is the key right is it 50 employees or 40 is that a, like a magic for, number for, for, 49 or less and the reason that's in hr if you get employed with 50 you have to worry about uh, obamacare fmla benefits a lot of the, all, of the, all the complicated stuff hits employee number 50. got it okay that makes sense and and you know again with technology as as we we come out of covid you know, there's always going to be those trade-offs, right? You have some winners and some losers coming out of any big technology shift. Um, it, it looks like we're going to be better off bef- after COVID, regardless of the damage that it has caused the rest of the economy. But, um, you know, I, um, I just think about this next phase, right? What it took to get here is going to be totally different than what it takes to get to a different thing. Yeah, you're right. This is definitely an opportunity for some people. As bad as COVID is, it's, it's, it's going to destroy some businesses, but it's definitely been an opportunity for some people, some people, some companies, I think. Yeah. So, so the hope I, I think we can give the, anyone watching and listening is it, it, it isn't that the economy is going to be, you know, 40% smaller. It's just that it's going to shift in its, in its focus and its uh, growth areas, right? It's like pushing a balloon on one side and then there's another another one that fills up, right? Hopefully we, the pie becomes bigger as, as the maybe Western economies shift more to technology versus um, that labor force that needs to commute, right? And get in into an office somehow. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like, don't be wrong. If you're a restaurant right now, your times are hard, right? But like when I said, I was, I was in Austin, San Antonio for the six weeks, everywhere the housing development is building, it's booming in Austin, San Antonio. It's everywhere you go, like there's something going up, right? So the economy is, is, is definitely good in some places, right? But if you're yeah. a restaurant, yeah, it's your second win right now, I think. Well, and even restaurants in, in, in San Antonio, where, where you spend a lot of time, our leading um, grocery chain in Texas right now is, is HEB. It's a private company. They don't really have to check with a lot of, you know, a multinational board. And they just, they're trying to solve problems. So they, they actually acquired a, a, a food service delivery company. I think they invested in several. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that when I was there. Yeah. So they already yeah. have all the, te- you know, text pull up and get your, get your, get your food. Right. Just like Amazon acquired um, Whole Foods from here, from, from Austin. And so Amazon is, is, I think 
amazingly ahead of, of the curve here, people were wondering, well, why the hell would Amazon buy Whole Foods? And uh, it's that connection, right, between yeah. the online because experience and the home experience. Because Amazon is playing chess, so everyone else is playing checkers. You got it. Matter of fact, I just ordered some uh, some, uh, some stuff from, from Whole Foods the other day through Amazon Prime the other day. It's like seamless. It's like, yeah, this is great. Well, and then people say, well, that's destru- that's d- destruction, uh, demand destruction. Or, but but I, I happen to know, um, actually, friends of my wife's, we were, our kids had, um, you know, we were just in the same, whatever, play group 20 years ago. Um, this couple applied to be a, uh, an Amazon uh, delivery truck service, but it wasn't owned by Amazon. It's owned by her and her husband. Yeah. So she, she, she won an application process that was pretty rigorous, but guess who's out making the deliveries themselves the first two months of the program? Exactly. It's, it's yep. my friend's wife and husband, the, the partners. So they're out doing the actual work just to see what's working, what isn't working and, 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 and getting feedback back up to Amazon. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not, um, affiliate for Amazon or nothing, but most people don't realize all the stuff you have on Amazon is actually from small business owners. Right. I used to think everything on Amazon was from Amazon. Like, no, that's not the case. It's actually other people just using the platform. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yeah. I mean, if anything comes out of this, it's, it's an education of yes, software is eating the world. Right. I think that there's people have said that, but it is also an empowerment of anyone who wants to produce value can produce that on platforms and they don't have to be scared of the platforms. Yes. They will have some influence over your behavior, but uh, you know, or, or what, what it is you do. You don't have to be a, an Amazon, you know, platform person. I guess there's other, other things, uh, Shopify, right. Or, or yeah. these others. But, um, I think generally they're all good for people who want to produce some value and, and serve a customer, which I think ultimately is, is what is the, the purest form of, um, of service, right. Is I cannot, earn anything unless I deliver something to you first and you're satisfied. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people, you know, normally you're on the, the, the cover is bad or whatever, the economy is bad, but people don't realize like, you go back to, back to the, the last recession, 2008, 2009, I mean, like Airbnb, Airbnb started, Uber started, all these great companies started, Instagram started, right? So five, six years from now, we have all these companies that come from this area too. And then I think, just my opinion, if you're an entrepreneur, now's the best time, right? Like, I mean, all the stuff we have available to us, right? You know, the phone, the social media, personal branding, access to markets. Can you imagine being an entrepreneur now versus being an entrepreneur like, like was that like nineteen fifty nine? There's no comparison, right? Like all the money you need with AWS, Google Cloud Platform, you like put all the stuff in the cloud, not for free, but basically, no, like what what ten years ago you had to have hundreds of thousands of dollars to start a software company. Yeah, the, the, Look, the, the barriers are non-existent now. I think. Jason, I mean, four years ago, I was in there trying to learn how to build a WordPress site. I mean, I, I, I wanted to, I was building WordPress sites. I built a Squarespace site. I, you know, I built a Wix site and all that just to, just to figure out, holy shit, I, I don't know anything about building websites, but now I can probably flip the switch. I, we work with a, with a website partner, but again, it's, it's a relationship with, 
and an understanding of all the value they deliver for me for a sales and marketing platform is amazing. And it is based on, on WordPress. It's just, am I willing to go learn the tools of my partner? If not, I can just pay him to do it. Like yeah, I don't have time to, to do some of the things they can do easily. Yeah. Is that the best use of your time? You know, is your best time coding a website? You know, is that the best use of your time? Probably not. Uh, certainly but, uh, in my case. Yeah, me too. But a lot of entrepreneurs, they think they have to do it all right. And they waste so much time learning and doing everything right. Like who you're good at and, you know, outsource everything else that you can, I think. Yeah. The, uh, I started in a co-working space and I'm going to have to mention it now. Um, it was called uh, Orange Coworking down in way South Austin. The founder used to say uh, the, the visionary. Um, I'll, I'll drop a plug in for her. Uh, Shelly, Shelly Delane. Um, and really, she just wanted to provide a space where people could bounce ideas off of each other. And, and but my first couple of weeks in there, I'm looking at a world class. Um, what was it? There was like a couple of marketing guys and there's a startup that was building uh, eyeglasses. There was. Oh, and I met Gary Hoover there. And Gary Hoover was giving a talk in the evening because I was there late at night, just still formulating what the hell I was going to do in my next my next life. And uh, Gary Hoover is the co-founder of um, Bookstop, which was a, a startup that started about the same time as Whole Foods started here. And so Gary and John Mackey with Whole Foods are our old friends. And then he did Hoover Online, which was acquired by. Uh, done in Bradstreet. And, and that's my, my space is kind of the credit space and banking and stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, Gary Hoover's doing like a little chat for 12 people over here. Like this is like heaven for me. And so I, I just took it as like an incredible opportunity to learn from a, a lot of people. Cause I started talking about my language and people looking at me like, what are you talking about? So Startup language is different than banking language is different yeah, than HR language. It definitely is. Startup definitely has its own language, own culture, own personalities. Yeah. And even then it's like different, like tech starts has its own language. Why is it coming its own language? You know, the way they do things, Austin startups different from Seattle, different from the Bay Area. Yeah. All these different communities do the things yeah. the way, so to speak. And, and we, we call certain things that are the same. We call them different names, right? Like a task list is a to-do list in my, in my world. It's like, so by the time you get the freaking language, right? We've wasted an hour. Exactly. Yeah. And, and one thing I think uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs do wrong too, is like a, a lot of trust this idea, like, you know, everyone's not all in like I am. Well, of course they're not. Right. It's, it's not their idea. Right. Even if you get someone like 20% of the company, even your co-founder, right. It's your baby, right? No one's going to be as all in as you are. And I think a lot of people get frustrated at that. Right. Yeah, you got to keep, keep, take the best you can, hire the best talent, bring on the best team. But realize that it's, 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 your, it's your business, right? Even you make, even you have co-founders, right? Whatever case it be, or two other people, and they're not going to be all in like you're all right. Yeah. And the board member, you know, for, for me, it was a, a board member who I, who I trust and a, and, a, and a friend that really looked to see in the business, like, who's got their ass on the line? He calls it the ass on the line program. And, and that's where you, that's the, the burning of the bridges thing. Right. So I thought I had a, 
uh, a sense of what all in means until I'm taught again, yet again, what is now, this is what all, all in means. So, yeah. And then like, each people, I think each person needs to know the limits too. Like how all in do you want to be? Like, does all in mean you gonna mortgage your house and probably to be homeless? Well, hopefully not. Right. Is all in like you spend all your savings is all in a time limit. You know, what is, I think each person has own all in, right? What's the, exactly. What's the all in based on your track record and what kind of resources you have to back you up. Right. And only, you know, that because sometimes it's, it's a psychological thing, right? It, because you could be all in. Um, but, but if it's at the cost of your health, right. That's happened to me before. Just all the learning of the desire doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. You could be all in and you're still not guaranteed you're going to win. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, it's almost in the lottery to hit a startup, right? Everything has to line up, right? You have to have the right team, the right time, not too soon, not too early. You know, it's so many things have a lineup and, and it cannot, you can do everything perfectly and you still fail, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so this is why I just, I have to stay um, very humble, very hungry, very learn, you know, in a learning capacity. Uh, is it the lean startup that said, um, a startup is a learning organization. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. So you, you got to let the market or your customers uh, tell you, even though maybe you know better for them and you've got, you, you got to get there from another place and you, you've just got to look and see just because they don't get it. It doesn't mean that they're a moron. It just means that I haven't done a good enough job articulating the value. Yes. Until it occurs to them that there's value, you're the moron. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm the moron. And we both know it happens all the time, right? You have these people who build a product, you know, they're in the, they're in the closet or in the garage, they'll build the product. I mean, it's a great product and they put it on the market like, no, we're like, what is, what is this? What did you build? We don't need this, right? You wasted yeah. all this time, money, you know? No, I, I've been warned against that, right? That, um, you can't get too product centric and you can't get too marketing centric. And, it, and yeah, it definitely has to be a balance. A lot of people get the balance wrong. That's right. So we're, we're blessed, you know, in a lot of ways uh, that, but, but, but we also know we have blind spots and we don't know what we don't know. That's the nature of a blind spot. Right. So. Um, and, and then back to like, you know, I listen to your market. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they're not as humble as they need to be. Right. I think a lot of entrepreneurs like this is my idea. Yeah, I'm going to make it go. And they get feedback and they're like, well, they don't know what you said. They don't know what they're talking about. Right. And, but then you, you gotta be humble. Right. And, and take that feedback and maybe pivot a little bit. You know, I think a lot of people don't do that. Unfortunately. That's right. And pivot doesn't just mean, well, our product's completely wrong. It just means I got to pivot my, uh, well, you just have to take that lesson. What you said, be humble um, and, and, and pivot your expectations. I mean, because you're going to get humbled one <laughs> yeah. way or the other. Right? Sometimes, every, sometimes every day. And, and uh, believe me, uh, it, 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 it's happened a lot to me and probably because I'm stubborn. But then, you know, maybe that's why we still got a, sh a shot and we, we're, we're, we're not dead. We're, we're still alive. And so and as long as thing above, above ground, you know, that's the main thing. And then uh, you want to make sure your, your, your customers and your, your investors or anybody who's backed you and spent time 
Um, you know, we're the ones that are committed to that, right? We're committed to my, my two H people are on HR. I wasn't able, ready to put anybody on a salary until I personally knew that we could, you know, let them plan the, the next two years of their life. So, yeah. And those things that people don't realize that can maybe if you bring someone a startup, you're telling someone, Hey, I'm, even if you pay them some money, I'm going to pay you just, we'll say 80,000 a year. However, we're not, we're not being in business in six months from now, right? So you're telling this person, quit your job or don't find a, a good job at a corporate headquarters or whatever and come in for six months. That probably lower pay, right? I think it's another challenge too as a startup yeah, founder. Uh, that's right. And um, this, th th these are some lessons that, you know, I mean, looking back on it, I, there were things that I wanted really badly uh, one of them was was really good funding, and the market just kept telling me that, you know, and and then I had to ask myself like, well, what the hell would you use the money for? And then yeah. I, you know, I'd have to think that through. And, and people don't realize there's all this hype, you know, you know, get funding, get million dollars of funding, blah blah blah. So you so you think there's all this money flowing out there, which there is. Every startup is funny, but stats show I think only like one to five percent of startups even get funding, right? And of yep. course, even you get like Quigby, that, that streaming service, that like what, like almost a hundred million dollars of funding and they failed after six months. Yeah. You know, too much money can be a bad thing. And even you get funding, there's no guarantee you're going to make it right. Exactly right. Um, so this is, this is one of the things in, as I reflect back on, on a, a program we did, um, because there's a, a big market right now for uh, startups and, and, uh, and accelerators, I think, are, are, are super valuable. Um, I think there's the industry of accelerators is, is getting a little, a little heavy on the, uh, you know, either the, either there are very heavy fees or uh, equity asks, right, for to, to give you knowledge. But there's so much knowledge out there that's free, uh, you know. People, people could, could do it, but I do think that there's a place for accelerators at certain phases of the business. But the number one person that should do an accelerator is the, is the founder. It, it can, I don't know if it can be anybody else other than the guy that is uh, the, the founder or co-founder that's willing to do whatever the coursework is required, right? Yeah, it's, get, it's, they're very intensive, very time-consuming. That's right. And, and some of them, they make it about the, the accelerator themselves, right? They want to be able to brag about, well, this startup is because of us as the accelerator. Yeah. And, and I get a little uncomfortable with that. Um, but listen, again, it, it has to be a fit, right? For every, for any market, uh, a startup founder for an accelerator, just like my product to my cut, my target customer, it, both sides have to get value. I agree. And then, and then for entrepreneurship, like a lot of people are asked, you know, what, what makes you like, what is, what does it mean to be a failed entrepreneur? Right. As my, my, my definition is like, you, you're not failed as long as you don't quit. Right. Well, if you fail, if you quit, then you probably fail. But if you keep on going, grinding, you know, keep on doing every day, you're not going to fail. Right. You just got to keep on going. And it's back to the, the def definition of fail, right? If, if, if it occurs to you as a fail failure, then yeah, say that it's a failure, but I think that you could also call it learning. Yeah. To, to get that value out of something that didn't quite work. It wasn't workable, you know, at that moment, 
and the like what, what what you said about if you don't quit right maybe it's learn what to quit early versus keep going and not not quit fast enough to the, yeah. to the one thing right so yeah. it's learn fast and and pivot they yeah, definitely got to pivot and i know a lot of people like myself like man i'm tired of learning what am i gonna start succeeding right i'm tired of learning or what do you want to say i'm man i'm tired of taking these hard lessons right want to you know succeed yeah i think you're you're on a, a great path Look, i want to just touch touch on um a little bit of of your uh, the product you're working on i heard and I, you may repurpose this, uh, whatever this conversation for your for your own need. But you need some you need some early uh, HR um, startups, I guess, to give you feedback, right? Because that's yes. the thing yeah. about an iterative process. I can't get to step seventy five unless I start with step one, two, three, four, five, and then even at each step you have to pivot. So, what are you needing for for your own offerings right now? So right now we're we're building the platform. So the, the long term version is have a We'll have, a, have like an AI platform where you, you, you get on your mobile phone and say, hey, Kevin's HR, and ask like HR questions, right? And then if the AI can't answer that, we're, then we're transferred to an actual HR person, right? But that's like way down the future. Now we're just building a basic HR platform. And we, like, we need user testing for that, right? And sure. one thing different, different about us, like most HR companies, they give you everything based on a template, right? So you might be a tech company in Seattle, a restaurant in Austin, and a manufacturing company in Alabama. They give you all the same templates. With us, we give you, we send the owner questions to answer, and based on the questions, it's industry. We, we um, tailor everything to that one company, right? So we're trying to do that too. And and it's so so it's based for the remote worker or the the company that has distributed workforce. Well, that it, it is. But so it's based on the location industry. So like, if you're a restaurant in Seattle, we give you one set of HR products and services. If like for you, we give it another set of HR product service based on Austin. So it's based on lo each location has their own laws. Like for example, like not getting into politics, but like I tell people all the time, if you're if you're like a liberal progressive state or Democrat, you probably have more more HR laws. You know, like you know Washington, New York, California. Where if you're a conservative state, we'll say like Texas, Kansas can be less. But even having said that, in Texas, um, and I could be wrong about this, but I think Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, the big cities have like more liberal stuff, right? So those are different. Like. So like instead of Texas, I would have one handbook for Austin, another handbook for San Antonio, one for Dallas, one for Houston, and one for the rest of the state, right? Yep. So you got to be aware of that. Totally, because look how many people live in, <laughs> in Texas alone. I, I can tell you in San Antonio, well, South Texas, again, the six zones of Texas, right? You've basically got six, six Texases and different affinities um, and employment markets and talent pool. So, hundred percent. Take take your point and and um, so right now, what would you need if if a company was interested in maybe giving you some feedback? Maybe is it a beta thing or or how do you? It's a, it's a beta thing right now. So basically, if they just um, email me at Jason Cavnis at CavnisHR or reach out to me on social media at CavnisHR or Jason Cavnis. I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm even on I'm even, I'm even on TikTok, Snapchat. So I'm pretty easy to reach. I'm sure we have some links awesome. here too. Well, I can tell you that as a as a, a founder that wanted to learn about everything, if you get a chance to be in a beta and the price is right, or some kind of an early version of anything, um, you could get disproportionate value 
for what you invest in time. And so um, for me, I could get disproportionate value by working with Jason because he's early enough where, where I can get his insights. Right. And, and, and you have to start thinking in not, not in terms of money or currency, right. It's exchange of value. And so it, it, it boils down to an arbitrage, right? You got to think too, you know, if you're, if you're doing beta testing, you know, that the owner that can be, you're going to have his, you know, his or hers personal attention for a long time. Right. Cause he's going to like, know, take your feedback. He's going to give you feedback. You can pretty much like 24 seven access to that person, right? Regardless of my company or anyone else in the company, you're a better chance to that owner or founder. Well, at least they should give you like a, like extra, extra special attention, right? Because they'll yes. be able to cut me off what you tell them or don't tell them. I remember when people, when I was on TikTok, people were like, what are you on TikTok for? Like if Gary V is on TikTok, I need to be on TikTok. Yes. Oh, by the way, that they're calling it a TikTok generation. Those are my my daughters right now who are about to become a nurse. You know, we think they're super young. My, I got one that's going into a hospital job in the next three months, and then I got one in in, in college. But um, they're extremely connected into the in obviously the TikTok. But it's not what everybody thinks is the TikTok because it. it yeah, it's like, very segmented. Like one of my favorite accounts of followers is a guy. He has to be in his 60s, 70s. He's a psychiatrist. Every day he puts like mental health tips on there. There's a little dance, you know, like points it around. So there's a lot of good content on there, but it can be very addictive. You know, I, I finally, I got to, I got to cut myself off sometimes. Well, that's how they built it. Right. Um, and if obviously the social dilemma um, is something is, is obviously a warning, but there is a, there are some benefits. Uh, for example, I think healthcare is going to get managed in a little different way now uh, with technology. And if you can, you know, self-regulate your own, your own body with, with wearables and data and, and you know, uh, the, the data has to become, um, well, you need to be able to connect the dots with the, with, with your own health data, for example. Yes, you do. Um, and I know that the West Coast is more advanced than some of the the Texas folk, but actually, it's not. You, you're surprised, like like in San Francisco. I had a, I was talking to someone in San Francisco. There, you think San Francisco has like all this great, you know, infrastructure. The infrastructure is still from the '70s, right? And and yeah. that was and Google actually was going to try to like make everything fiber. Google like, yeah, this is too much for us, right? So even Google can't figure out how to make it advanced, right? So yeah. Here in the Seattle area, it's like, yeah, it's not as advanced as people think it is. Well, it, but this is the nature of 300 and whatever million people in 50 different states have different sets of problems. And so I, I almost think we're going back to not, not just city, not, not just state, different states, but city states, you know. Um, and, and, and politics is always best when it's local uh, and, and, and less of the bullshit gets in the way, right? Uh, South Austin is booming. So guess what? We're getting a bunch of, I think we're getting several city council rep representation, which we've never really had. And so the decisions that are good for downtown Austin has, have, have not always been good for just like two miles from, from Austin, downtown Austin. So um, I think the, the overall political structure is going to have to get better and serve its, uh, its, no its tax base better. No doubt.
and, and then back, back to Kevin's HR, uh, one thing that we learned during the, all the research we did, so according to Small Business Administration, each year small business loses $27 billion to bad HR, but it comes out to like $10,000 per employee. The, bad HR can mean, you know, you're paying someone too much, not paying them enough, they leave, you know, we can mean a host, host of things. And also small business owners spend or quote unquote waste 25% of the time on HR, right? Like paperwork, onboarding, you know, legal stuff. And of course the time, 25% of the time when you really have that like time back, you know, taking care of employees, taking care of custom building, you know, building your business. So we try <laughs> to say, so we, we say we want to help, you know, small business save time and save money. I love it. I mean, look, right now we got several people, not, not because it's a bad thing, but we have to make sure our client stack is, is proper uh, and that's just time away from customers that want our product or service, right? So you you must force yourself as a founder to continue uh, to push what actually, uh, again, more wisdom from my board member, what what actually rings the cash register at the, yeah. you know. I mean, it, what, what we say all the time, focus on the, what's it called? Focus on things important, you know, or something like that. But how many of you actually do that, you know? Yeah, the, the, the urgent, sorry, we, we're always in the Q1, right? Urgent and important. Yeah. It, it's shifting to that um, important, but not urgent, which is uh, working on your production capacity, training, get, getting, um, getting things out of the way. Uh, I, I, would, I would say um, things that are not related to driving rev, need to or, or or profitability need to kind of be uh they're, they're they're there and they need we need them but they're not a key component of the business success yeah uh, but yeah. Th- but they could kill you that's the other yeah. th- that's the problem the thing with HR, hr people have a hard time well first of all like for when i when i went to hr people they try to find jobs i tell them oh, don't be an hr person be a business person right find an industry you want to be in and learn an industry but a lot of hr people they have a hard time, you know, proven ROI or proven like, okay, I'm going to sign up for this benefits program. How's it going to make the company better? You know, a lot of HR people have trouble doing that. And like you said, no one thinks about HR until it's too late, right? Someone does a complaint or a lawsuit, right? Yep. And another thing, another thing Kevin will put out there, like, I think a lot of small business owners have this like fear, oh, the government's going to come inspect me. The government does not have enough resources to come to every business every single day and knock on your door. Hey, Michael, let me need your paper. No. Yes. What happens usually is an employee drops a dime on you and complains, you know, and yes. most of the time those complaints are unfounded, but challenges pose an employee says, Hey, Michael didn't pay me overtime. So they go to the Department of Labor. Well, the Department of Labor, they just don't come expect, they come, they're going to come expect everything HR related, right? So now the theory is if they're doing the particular one thing wrong, they'll probably do a whole lot of things wrong. Is we're going to find everything right. So you know, take care. I think listen, take care of your employees best you can, right? And be honest with them, right? But, but even bigger lesson, the, 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 you know, just do the right thing. There's no no one going around knocking your door. You know, eavesdropping. There's not enough resources. Yeah, I've also found that with with any regulatory, mo- most regulatory uh, bodies that are that are reasonable, they're they're there to see if there is a bigger, you know, a bigger issue. Um, and if it's a good regulate, because I believe the regulation is 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 needed. Uh, in, in any in any market, uh, some regulatory oversight, I should say. Yeah. The, you know, if there's no, if, if, 
some some pattern of abuse or something that's that to me is a good regulation uh rule is let's let's see let's arbitrate something here you know who's the the, the accuser and everything and, and as you said with covid even the regulatory environment has had to get better and more responsive and, 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 and most of these places realize that 90% of the time employees like quote unquote making stuff up, right? Or they're trying to get back at you. So these organizations realize that that odds are this this employee's probably making it up anyway, right? But they yeah. still have to investigate and you know give everyone the do do justice, so to speak. That's the downside, right? Is is maybe for the for the real problematic complaint, it gets caught up in maybe an assumption that, That's very hey, that, point, yeah. that the accuser has a uh, an axe to grind when, when, yeah, that, that's the, that's the, the flip side. Uh, but, but it, all of it has to get better and has to lean on technology. Uh, boy, I, I, I think I was trying to pay my, for my plates or my registration for one of my cars. And I went to the County or it was a title transfer and man, they had their game on. They had supervisors out there managing COVID lines and stuff. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen, as many managers supervising and caring about customer care, customer care until after this pandemic where the money stopped for them. So suddenly the um, administrative state, I would, I would call it got very dynamic and very um, innovative in the way they took in checks from taxpayers who were willing to come in and pay. I agree. When I was in Texas like last month, I had to get redo my license, right? It was like, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. It was actually a great experience, right? Everyone's lined up, testing, like, whoa, this is like, you know, like, like nowhere, like my last experience, like this horrible waiting, long lines. This like, man, this is like right on time, right? Like, hopefully they do this, like keep that, you know, customer service method going on moving forward, because this, this is great. Well, I guess that there's a lesson there that there's always someone providing a service, someone needing a service, and you know, we're all stakeholders in that. And, and at some point, if you like, like uh, the taxi industry learned, right. Uh, if you don't, if you ignore your customers long enough, the politicians aren't going to have your back. And even in a place like Paris or New York or San Francisco, if you can break those monopolistic, um, I would say gatekeepers from a political standpoint, because the customer wanted it uh, and, and, the, and, and you finally revealed, unfortunately, the, the underbelly of, of, of the taxi system. But again, the taxi cab entrepreneur back maybe 30, 40 years ago, this was, these were the rules. Like, yeah. you know, you got to buy the, the, the status. It's changing. Like I have friends in New York City. They say for Uber, like, I have one friend lives in Queens. They would never leave Queens, right? Because you, the sub, you know, they're not going to the subway at a certain time of night. Yeah. Taxi, you know, good luck with that. But now it's here with Uber. They they go to places in New York. You know, they never really been before. You know, now don't be wrong. They say it's expensive to get to Uber from like one bird to other, but still, like we have the option now. Right, and 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 that that problem doesn't exist in a place like say Omaha, Nebraska. So they might still need a truck to get from one farm to the other. So this is the point, right? That we we got a lot of people. And they're 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 spread out, and I think they're spreading even more, and they're moving out of places and into other places that need that need to lean on technology and innovative thinking. So, 
and you bring up a good point too. Like there's all these companies out there and no one knows what company's going to hit it off. Right. Like back in the day, you know, like Airbnb. So you want me to pay someone, you want me to pay to go to go some random stranger's house or have some random stranger come to my house? Yeah. No, like, no, but if you think about it, like, like I had a family reunion a few years ago and I was trying to convince my aunt to take an Uber, right? They're like, we're not, we're not going to get over no, some random car. Like, have you taken a taxi before? Well, yeah, they do. <laughs> like, how, how's it different? You know, yeah. but they, they, they refuse to do it, right? They yeah. refuse it down, like they would not do it, right? So, yeah. Interesting. Well, they'll come around and, and I, I, I would recommend also uh, for, for some of the older or any, any, any age, um, a reminder, if you can kind of get into their shoes, it's more about like not, they don't, they don't, they have a fear of the unknown. And, and so the, the dynamics of um, an Uber, like I think my mom was very, said on this idea of, of having her phone, the old flip phones and stuff. And I said, ma, and she, you know, her story, because she, she's disabled and has arthritis, she can't carry a smartphone. I said, well, like it was until I, I had to look at it from her point of view and I had to really slow down and, and understand it. And for COVID, because they're, they're in high risk, I set her up with an iPad with a, uh, a stylus, right? And yeah. so now with her iPad and her stylus, man, she, she's on FaceTime. She's, she, she told all the kids and the grandkids, Hey, get ready. I'm about to start FaceTiming everybody. <laughs> and that's another good lesson you brought up. Like I know a lot of people are age or older, like my kids or grandkids never talk to me. I try to call them to answer the phone while no one, you know, uses a phone anymore right? so for a phone. Right. You got to like, for me, like my older, my older relatives, I use Facebook. My kids, nephews, and nieces, I use Snapchat or TikTok, right? You got to figure out what medium they want to communicate and reach out to them. You can't expect them to call you or text you or send you a letter anymore, right? You got to go to the level, so to speak, you know? I think a lot of people are not, not doing that. I mean, tech is not scary, right? Like I say, tell people, if I figure it out, you know, you have no excuse. Yeah, tell me about it. Like, I'm, I'm 53 and I can maybe, maybe put together a site on, 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 on uh, WordPress, but I don't want to. It's just... but. If you're forced into something until you get committed to learning it, that that's the other thing. You don't have room to complain about it, I guess, unless you are willing to go try to understand it. You can't, I guess you can complain, but that's all you're just going to be doing is complain and complain. And then you have people talking about the social media, you know, no one's talking to each other, social media blissness. And I'm sure you've seen this picture where they had a picture one, of one picture on the train where everyone had the phone up, right? Like, like 2016, they went back to 1916. And everyone had the paper up on the train. Like no one's still communicating, right? It's just everyone is looking at something different, whether it's paper or it's phone. You know, like people don't come. Yeah. And and the medium, right? So it's the tool and the medium. And I think Gary V taught has talked about this. Um, it's a little bit like we look at the way Elvis, you know, came out in the 1950s. And um this, this isn't inherently evil, right? These yeah. things, uh, it's just like any tool uh, put in the wrong hands or... It's like, yeah, when the TVs first came out in the 50s, right? Oh my goodness, it's going to destroy families, you know? And like, it's not, yeah, it's not going to destroy families. I think, you know, there, I think you come from, a, from, a, from an era maybe where, um, I don't know, I, I think values... And human nature is, is sort of 
I think human nature is people want to improve themselves and their, and their lives and they, don't, they want a better life and they want, they're about family. Right. So if people are going to try to find a family affinity somewhere yeah, and hopefully it's a good influence family uh, kind of thing. Um, I yeah, learned from my 19 year old that, you know, kids that's are going to find family somewhere. That's a good point too. Uh, you know, like a, a lot, I think a lot of families too, people in general, they're like, well, I can't learn nothing from X, Y, Z, right? Actually, you can learn a lot from different people, right? You just got to be open to it, you know? Got to be open. Um, I've been telling people, my, my, my mentor, when, as soon as he told me, I'm looking for a, a mentor under the age of 24. I'm like, oh shit, I got to start doing that too. And, yeah. and I kind of I already do. I have my daughters who are 19 and 22. So, but but like, maybe officially. And, it, and maybe if they, they want a mentor over 50, you know, they, I can help them, but it doesn't matter. I need, I, I need more of those younger voices in my, in my life. Yeah. Different have a different perspective. Yep. So Jason, I, I'm going to start to wrap because I know we both have a little bit of a, of a time crunch, but I want to thank you for, for spending some, some thoughtful time with me and, um, you know, I, I hope that this uh, podcast journey I'm on is going to help some people. And um, hey, one thing with the podcast, this is like this is like your tenth episode. I think you said. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of calling it season two because my first season seven or eight was kind of figuring it out, and that was before COVID. So now I'm I'm doing some of like a post COVID season two thing. So I'll just um, encourage you to keep at it, right? Because like. I think I, I started my first podcast episode like back in September 2017. Wow. And I can think of at least 25 people I know who started a podcast and are doing no more, right? So yeah. definitely stay there, right? The thing is, just stay at it. Because when, when I first started out, I had maybe 10, 20 ep- downloads episode. Now I'm up to like 3,000 an episode, you know. It's crazy. It, it's, it's slow growth, yeah. But yeah, I would just encourage you to keep at it, right? Because you never know who's going to... Plus, like, you know, you repurpose the evergreen content. It's over. You can repurpose it over and over again, right? So you never know who's going to reach out to you and well, I want to learn from you on this and um, you can definitely give me the tips and I'm sure that, you know, I guess for me, if I have any ask is anybody who's listening to this to the very end, like, like this uh, episode is uh, try to find me somewhere on that silver founders podcast. I guess I'm on all the, all the platforms. I, I distribute um, my stuff and it, I guess it goes to all the different platforms. So whatever you listen to podcasts, I guess my show notes will start to get better and I'll have all my backlinks and we, maybe we can talk about that, but um, maybe you, you have any final plug for a couple things like your, your beta thing. And then I guess it's just reach out to you directly. Yeah. Reach out to me directly. So reach out to me. I'll be me at the beta test for Kevin's HR. Also like Mike, I have my own podcast at Jason Kevin's experience where I talk to founders, small business owners and other interesting people. Like other interesting people, it can be anything, right? Like a month ago, I talked to a guy named Quentin Morris. He's like a master violinist. He's played the violin in front of the Louvre, in front of, the, I think it's Carnegie Hall. Wow. So, so there's different people like that. Uh, I have a um, Rand Fiskin on there. John Lee Dumas is going to be a future guest. And also, if you're a military veteran or military veteran, military spouse, and a military community, also a volunteer for a nonprofit called Bunker Labs. Bunker, Bunker Labs. Labs we, have a, we have, when I say veterans, I mean the whole military veteran community. We have veterans start companies. So like after World War II, like 80% of veterans started companies. Now that's down like five to 10%, right? Cause like there's all these, all this stuff out there to help veterans like find jobs or mental health. There's really nothing to help them start companies, right? 
And what we tell people is like, if you're a military veteran getting ready out, getting ready to get out or retire, or even if you've retired or get out like a, a decade ago, most of the military veterans live in a bubble, right? Cause like, for example, in Texas, Fort Hood, most people from Fort Hood don't go to Austin for business, right? They go to a six, we have fun, but very rarely go to networking, right? So we open up networks and something like as simple as not like, how do you, what's the name? What do you need to name your company, right? You know, how do you get a logo? Like, example, you know, if you have a name, if you name your company, like, suppose you're going to name it like, you know, ABC Towing, you got to make sure you can get the dot com, the dot IO, dot CO, make sure no one's on Facebook, LinkedIn, you have to make sure all that stuff is available, right? Yeah. And so, you know, just basically like, you know, what is SEO? You know, now most people don't know, you know, Google Analytics, like you can actually see how many people come to your website, you know, and, and target stuff on there, right? So just basic stuff for that. And biggest thing is this, like, open up networks, you know, do you want a small business loan? You, you say before that investment, right? So just like the basics, like, you know. So, yeah, I love the mission of, uh, of Bunker Labs. So, so yeah, the, the Bunker Labs is, is awesome. And, and um, my dad being a veteran, I know that. And we actually have it's, a chapter in Austin. Super valuable. Yeah. And we have a chapter in Austin too. We have chapters like 25, 30 cities. There's one on Austin too. And if anyone's interested in Austin or to find out about Merkel Labs, I can send you the point of contacts there. Okay. Well, let's let's go ahead and just uh, put a bow on it. And uh, I want to I, I want to thank you so much again for, no, for helping you. me with my season two episode coming out uh, soon. I guess maybe before the holidays. I'm going to try to get it out. Uh, perhaps before Thanksgiving so that you can get the word out for, for your, your beta stuff. And um, yeah, just reach out to me via, I guess um, I think for me personally would be um, Facebook. Um, and then, and then um, you know, if you have a way to get back through the the Spotify stuff, just give me any, any feedback on the, on the podcast, but um Jason, thanks again for, for joining me. And uh, we'll just wrap this, uh, this episode of the Silver Founders Podcast. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Jason Cabinets Experience. We're asking for your support for our rewards-based crowdfunding campaign for Cabinets HR, either through your donation or by sharing this link with your networks. We are doing a rewards-based crowdfunding campaign to continue the build-out of Cabinets HR. Go to https colon backslash backslash cabinetshr.co slash crowdfunding for more details and to donate. Thank you for your time today and remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you and remember to be great every day. You know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up. Don't you